DraftKings has the Texas win total set at nine and a half. So you're taking the over, right? Right? You are locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are talking about the Big 12 win totals for 2023 provided by DraftKings. Texas sits at nine and a half. Are you taking the over? Because I know you're not taking the under. Then we're talking about the Texas basketball team. They currently sit at number three in the transfer portal rankings overall. We discussed their transfer hall and two players that could potentially be additions to the number three transfer portal class in the country currently. Then we talk about the Texas baseball team who picked up a series win over the Kansas Jayhawks on the road this weekend, two games to one. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So DraftKings released their win totals for the 2023 season in the Big 12, uh, a year in 2023, which Texas will be in their last year in the Big 12, and a year in which most people expect Texas to be the overwhelming favorites to win uh, the Big 12 this year. And when I first saw Texas' win totals sitting at nine and a half, my first thought was, oh, hammer that, right? Take the over, right? We're not betting the under, of course, but hammer that, take the over. They're definitely going to win. 10 games because my initial thinking was they're going to have 14 opportunities to win those 10 games, right? I didn't know the parameters of the bet when I first saw it. And so I'm thinking, okay, 12 regular season games, big 12 championship game, which they should appear in. And then a bowl game, right? 14 opportunities to win 10 games. This Texas team is not going to lose five games this year. Right. Then I saw that it only counted towards regular season games. And that changed it a little bit because I'm now I'm like, okay, you have 12 opportunities to win 10 regular season games. And we're talking about something Texas has not done, I believe, in the regular season since 2009. Right? So that gets a little tricky. And when you look at the win totals for each Big 12 team, I'm only doing the top five because, in my opinion, these are the only five schools in the Big 12 that have a chance to win uh, the conference championship this year. Texas sits at nine and a half. Oklahoma is tied with Texas atop the conference at nine and a half wins. Now, I know you think that's crazy. I think it's crazy. I think Oklahoma is in a rebuild right now. But when you look at their schedule, they have a very, very realistic path to nine or 10 wins this year. When you look at their schedule, Texas and TCU are the only games on their schedule. I think Oklahoma realistically could or should lose this year. So I think any other game outside of Texas or TCU they lose this year would be a disappointment. If they handle business this year, they definitely could go nine and three, 10 and two, which is crazy to say in year two for Brent Venables, Kansas state, the reigning uh, big 12 champions. They are at eight and a half wins. TCU at number four is at seven and a half wins and Texas tech. Number five is at seven and a half wins. Right. And I think most of us think that Texas will win 10 games this year. Right. When you look at, Steve Sarkeesian, he's in year three. You know, he said this starting, this is finally starting to feel like his team, right? And when you look at the roster, you bring back Quinn Ewers, you lose Bijan and Roshan, but you have a really talented running back room. You bring back JT Sanders, a top five tight end in college football. You bring back all five starters on the offensive line. Um, and then you bring back Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington. 
um, and Isaiah Nayor. You bring in A.D. Mitchell and Jonte Cook, amongst some other receivers. And then when you look at the defensive side of the ball, you lost Mora Ojimo, Keandre Coburn, and DeMarvian Overshone. But I think this defense, with what you brought in in terms of the transfer portal, the players you brought back, and the true freshmen you brought in, has a chance to be as good as you were last year or even better. And this was a really good defensive unit last year. So I think most of us think Texas will win 10 games this year, right? And I think when you're talking to your friends or when you're arguing on Twitter, when you're talking to Aggies or Sooners, you're like, hell yeah, Texas is going to win 10 games this year. But I think it's a lot different story when you got to take money or your hard-earned money and put it down saying Texas is going to win 10 games in 12 opportunities in the regular season. And I think Texas is going to win 10 games this year. But when I started getting ready for this segment and I wrote down the schedule and I say Texas really has no margin for error, I got a little gun shy when it's, <laughs> I got a little gun shy in terms of putting my money down. So let's look at the Texas schedule. And then at the end, I'll determine whether we should take the over, whether I, I guess I can't tell you what to do, whether I should take the over, uh, Texas winning nine and a half games this year or whether I should just sit back and then try to enjoy the season as stress-free as possible, right? So week one, they play against Rice in DKR. If this game is even within two scores, cancel the season, right? This game should not be competitive at all. We definitely should not be talking about losing to Rice. They need to win this game by at least three touchdowns so we can see Malik Murphy get in there in garbage time. I'm excited for that, right? Then you go to Alabama week two at Tuscaloosa, right? And I know that most people in the media, most you know, gambling sites, ESPN, everybody is going to assume that Alabama is going to beat Texas. And Alabama should definitely be favored at home in this game against Texas, right? But I just am not sure that this is going to be the same Alabama team we're used to seeing. And when you look at the run they've had at the quarterback position from Jalen Hurts, who is now the second highest paid player in NFL history, and just almost won the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, had a 14-point lead. They went from that to Tua Tungavailoa, who could have won the Heisman at Alabama and was a top-10 NFL draft pick. They went from that to Mac Jones, who could have won the Heisman at Alabama, won a national championship, and was a top-15 pick in the NFL draft. They go from that to Bryce Young, who wins a Heisman, right, and was the number one overall draft pick and could be the best quarterback out of the four I just mentioned. You're going from that to Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, or Tyler Buckner, who's been on campus for two weeks, who just transferred from Notre Dame. I can't just assume that they're going to continue to have the level of quarterback play they've had for the last four to six years at Alabama, right? I know the defense is going to be really good. I know they have a lot of talent on this roster. I have the utmost respect for what Nick Saban has done for the last 16 years. But Texas almost got them last year with Hudson Card on one leg with Bryce Young in DKR. I think Texas has a really good chance to win this game. But obviously, this is a game that you could lose, right? Wyoming, Wyoming at home, same thing as Rice. They should not be within two touchdowns of Wyoming. They should win this game handily. And we should get to see Malik Murphy in garbage time in this game. Baylor, you're going to be on the road. It's an hour and a half up the road. I don't think that really matters much. Blake Shapin is a good quarterback, but I think he's more confusing and more disappointing than he is good. I think there's a realistic chance that Dave Aranda could outcoach Steve Sarkeesian in this game. That wouldn't be the craziest thing we've ever seen. But I think at the end of the day, Texas just has way too much talent for Baylor. They win that game. Kansas at home. I'm lower on Jalen Daniels than most people are. I think, you know, Kansas was good for the most part last year, started off 5-0. and I think they ended 6-6, and and then they were really good in their bowl game against Arkansas. I can't remember who won that game. 
Um, but I just don't think Kansas has anything for Texas. And unfortunately for this year's Kansas team, I think every year Texas faces off in this game, especially at home, they're going to have what happened in 2021 on their minds. I think they blow out Kansas realistically, but you know, that is a good program and Jalen Daniels is a good quarterback. But like I said, I think they blow Kansas out. Oklahoma, of course, we beat them 49 to zero last year. Like I said, I think Oklahoma is in a rebuild. That doesn't mean that they can't be good this year, but I think they're in a rebuild based on what we saw from Lincoln Riley in terms of what we saw last year, right? And it's the Red River rivalry, so anything can happen, right? I'm not going to come out here and say we're going to beat them 49-0 again. I think Texas is going to be favored by a touchdown in that game. They should be favored by at least a touchdown, but, of course, anything can happen, right? We've seen times where Texas should have won the game handily. Oklahoma won. We've seen times where Oklahoma should have won the game handily. Texas won. Anything can happen on that second Saturday in October, so obviously – that's a game Texas should win, but obviously that is a, tank, a game that Texas could lose, right? Houston on the road, that's a team you're not familiar with. That's an environment you're not familiar with. I think Texas should have enough talent to win that game pretty handily, but anything could happen. BYU, that's a very respectable program. I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to get up for that game a little bit. Of course, he went to BYU, played quarterback at BYU. I think Texas at home should be able to out-talent BYU, but that game could get interesting. Kansas State is the reigning Big 12 champions. They did lose their three best players, I think, in Julius Brents, Felix, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, and then Deuce Vaughn, the newest Dallas Cowboys running back. Um, and even though Kansas State has been a really good program, even though they've won, uh, they won the Big 12 last year, even though they have Will Howard coming back, anytime you bring a quarterback back in college football, that's a big deal. They haven't beaten Texas since 2017. Why would that end this year? I think they win that game. TCU, they just lost so many players. I think Sonny Dykes is a really good coach. I think that they're going to be good moving forward. They brought in some really good transfers. But when you lose Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston, Kendra Miller, uh, you know, Hodges Tomlinson, the list goes on and on. I think they take a step back. I think Texas wins that game on the road at Iowa State. Matt Campbell's a really good coach, as I said, with Dave Aranda. There is a chance that he could outcoach Steve Sarkeesian, right? That's not the craziest thing that would ever happen. Hunter Deckers is returning. Experience at the quarterback position is great. It's going to be a tough road environment at Ames. So anything could happen in that game. I do think Texas wins, but it's going to be tough. And then Texas Tech, I think this is a program that's on the rise, right? When you talk about Texas Tech last year, they beat Texas and went eight and five. So you could make the argument they had a better season. I mean, not even make the argument. They did have a better season than the Longhorns did last year. And I think with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, this is going to be a team that perennially is in that conversation for the best team in the conference, sitting at nine to 10 wins every year. And I think they have a chance to compete for that this year, right? So I actually probably would take the over on Texas Tech seven and a half if I was a betting man, which I am, right? So that's going to be a really tough game the day after Thanksgiving. It's going to be a dog fight, right? We know the comments they made last year about punching us in the mouth. I expect them to come to DKR and try to do the same this year. And of course, this is going to be a game, the last regular season game of the year that could have Big 12 championship game implications. So that's going to be a really tough game. So, you know, I think when I look at the Texas schedule, I could definitely see a path to them winning 10 or 11 games. But I also could see two or three games that they could slip up in outside of the Alabama game. And when it comes to putting my hard earned money on something, I like to think that I'm going to win it. And I just don't know for sure that Texas is going to get over that hump this year and start to beat every team on their schedule that they're supposed to beat. Because of that, I can't put my money on them winning 10 games. But if it just comes down to me talking trash, then of course the Longhorns are going to win 10 games this year and get back on track. And of course, they're going to win the Big 12 championship game because who else? 
a quick word from FanDuel, and then we're going to talk about the Texas basketball team, number three in the transfer portal rankings per 24-7. We talk about what Rodney Terry has done so far and what he could be looking to do over the next couple of weeks. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. There's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the National Basketball Association. Speaking of the NBA, Kevin Durant, of course, forever Longhorn. Uh, he's got me nervous, man. The Suns were down 2-0 to the Nuggets. Now they've tied it 2-2. Uh, Chris Paul's groin is 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 on the shelf, right? We don't know when Chris Paul is coming back. I want to see Kevin Durant get to the conference finals. I want to see Kevin Durant compete for a championship again. That's been a really good series. Really, the playoffs has been really good this year in the NBA. But every time I watch the Suns, every time I watch Kevin Durant, especially in the playoffs, my heart drops. And so tonight is going to be no different. Very nervous. It's going to be a tough game five in Denver. But hopefully the Suns can pull it out and then close out the series in six back in Phoenix on Thursday night. When we talk about uh, this Texas basketball team, speaking of Kevin Durant, somebody that coached and helped recruit Kevin Durant at the 40 Acres. Rodney Terry is now the head men's basketball coach of the Texas basketball program. And there's been a lot of conversation about what his tenure has looked like thus far at the 40 Acres. Right. Because we've seen a lot of players coming in. Right. We've seen four players coming in via the transfer portal and Dylan DeSue deciding to return to the 40 acres. So I guess five players have committed to be on the team next year, in addition to Brock Cunningham, who said he was coming back during the season. And then you've also had five players decide to leave the program. And I think the decision to hire Rodney Terry in the first place was controversial, not controversial in the sense that Rodney Terry had done anything to make it controversial, but there was a lot of conversation, right? Should Rodney Terry have been named the full-time head coach of a school and a program as big as Texas, or should he have been thanked for his service and should they have looked for a bigger name coach or somebody that had a resume that closer resembled to what you got in Chris Beard before the incident on December 12th? And, you know, a lot has been made about, you know, Rodney Terry and the players he's lost. And I don't think you can charge Dylan Mitchell and Tyrese Hunter to him just because they had NBA aspirations. And you kind of knew before the season that they were looking to test that after the season. I can't necessarily charge Rowan Brumbaugh going to Georgetown on Rodney Terry because, you know, we don't you know we don't know what Rowan Brumbaugh looks like yet. I think he's going to be good at Georgetown, but we haven't seen him play college basketball yet. So we can't say that was a huge loss. Now, I think Arterio Morris, Ron Holland, and A.J. Johnson, you have to put that on Rodney Terry to some extent, even if, you know, Ron Holland and A.J. Johnson go on to play professional basketball. That's still a decision they had to make over playing basketball for Rodney Terry in college. And so you have to put that on RT somewhat, right? I think if when you look at the Arterio Morris situation, he went to Kansas and there's not even a guaranteed opportunity for him to start next year, right? At Kansas. And so when you think about it, he left Texas where he probably was going to start and play for Rodney Terry to go to a conference rival to compete for a starting job, right? Most of the time when you enter the transfer portal, you're entering the portal saying, okay, I'm going to go somewhere and start for sure. He entered the portal to compete for a starting job, which is what he was going to do at Texas anyway. So that tells me that his relationship with Rodney Terry wasn't great. I put that on RT losing those players, right? 
But when you look at the current landscape of college basketball, where 20% is in the portal, period, 20% of the sport is in the portal, that's what every coach is dealing with, right? Every coach is losing really good players, and it's on every coach to adapt to that and bring in some really good players to compete at a high level. And I think to focus on the players that Rodney Terry has lost or focus on the players that have decided to leave the program since Rodney Terry has gotten the job is unfair to the job that Rodney Terry has done in terms of fortifying this roster based on the current situation he's in. So when you look at the college basketball transfer portal rankings currently, they have West Virginia, number one, Kansas at number two, Texas at number three, Arkansas at number four, and Gonzaga at number five, right? So we talk about what Rodney Terry has lost, but what he has brought in thus far is the number three overall transfer class, according to 24-7. And when you look at West Virginia, they have five total commits compared to Texas with only four commits. We know that Texas is going to do some more work in the transfer portal, so I would not be surprised to see them move up to number two or number one, they are headlined by Jesse Edwards, I think a top five transfer portal commit, a center from Syracuse that transferred to West Virginia. When you talk about Kansas at number two, they only have three commits, but all three players are top 28 players in the transfer portal, according to 24-7. Hunter Dickerson was the number one overall player. Arterio Morris was their third highest rated player in the transfer portal, the 28th overall rated player. Kansas is going to be really good next year. We'll talk about Texas here in a minute. Arkansas brought in five players with the number four class, two top 20 players. The only other team that can say that is the Texas Longhorns. And then Gonzaga with the number five class. Currently, they brought in Ryan Nimhard, who has been the starting point guard for that Creighton team Texas has played the last two years. But I think we need to give Texas and Ronnie Terry, the staff, everybody involved his flowers. Because when you look at what he's been able to do the number three overall transfer class thus far. He has brought in Max Amos, the eighth overall player in the transfer portal, the current active points leader in college basketball, somebody that has averaged 20 points a game the last three years, somebody that is going to put on a show at the University of Texas, be one of the best scorers in the country, right? You went and got a top 10 player out of the transfer portal. Then you talk about Caden Shedrick, somebody who's going to be your defensive anchor, right? Your rim protector, somebody that's going to be really good on the defensive end for you and somebody that felt like he wasn't utilized properly at Virginia. He feels like he has a lot more in his bag than what he was able to showcase at Virginia, where he was largely just a rim runner, kind of rim protector and rebounder, right? If he can add, you know, some other pieces to his game or showcase that in Rodney Terry's offense, right? Then you're talking about somebody who was the 17th overall player, but could be a steal, right? If he turns out to be more of a scorer and more of a playmaker than we saw at Virginia, Kendall Weaver was unranked coming out of high school within one whack freshman of the year. Somebody that shot 40% from the three point line and averaged four and a half rebounds as a combo guard, right? At 6'3", 164, I think he's going to be really good at the 40 acres for more than one year. And then Zarek Anyema, the only three-star they've brought in in the portal thus far. Amos, Shedrick, and Weaver were all four-stars. Somebody that has a relationship with Ronnie Terry, has played under Ronnie Terry, and is going to bring a lot of defense, defense, energy, and rebounding. And then two players they're interested in in the transfer portal right now. 
Ball State guard Jalen Sellers, all Mac third team last year, 13 and a half points per game, 3.7 re- rebounds per game, 49% from the field, 45% from three, 76% from the free throw line, 44% three point shooter the last two seasons. And then Washington State forward DJ Rodman, son of Dennis Rodman, they have reached out as well, 9.6 points per game, 5.8 rebounds per game, 6'6, 215. 41% from the field, 38% from three, 79% shooting splits, 55% on open catch and shoot threes last season. So it's clear that Rodney Terry has really prioritized size in the transfer portal. He has really prioritized shooting in the transfer portal with Kendall Weaver, Max Amos, and Brock Cunningham, who's on the roster now, all having shot 40% from three at some point in their careers. And then Jalen Sellers, a 44% three-point shooter the last two years, has received interest from Rodney Terry. So, like I said, we can sit here and focus on Ron Holland, A.J. Johnson, Roland Brumbar, Terry Morris, Tyrese Hunter, and Dylan Mitchell all we want. But I think we need to pivot and focus on who's on the roster, who will be playing for Texas next year. And I think Rodney Terry has done a really good job of building the foundation of this roster via the transfer portal. This looks like a roster right now, depending on what they do between now and the season, a roster that has a skeleton of a team that could compete for a Big 12 championship and a team that could make it back to the Sweet 16. And I think if you can bring in one of Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell, or Ron Holland back to this group, then you're talking about a team that experience-wise and talent-wise looks like one of the best in the country. So, you know, I know that it hasn't been all sunshine and flowers since Rodney Terry has taken the job, but I think when we look at what he's done on May 9th with the number three transfer portal class in the country, according to 24-7, and the ability to still get Dylan Mitchell, Tyrese Hunter, and or Ron Holland back to this roster, still with a lot of really good players in the transfer portal to fill out this roster. We have to acknowledge that Ronnie Terry has done a good job, and this looks like it's going to be a really good basketball team heading into the season. A quick word from our sponsors, and we're going to talk about the Texas baseball team coming off a series win against Kansas. So Texas sits at 32 and 17 on the season. They took two out of three against the Kansas Jayhawks lost on Friday, but won Saturday and Sunday to clinch the series. They lost 10 to four on Friday. And what we saw from the pitching staff has kind of been the theme of when they've ran into trouble the last two to three weeks. Now they were unable to throw strikes, right? They gave up a five run fifth inning. 14 hits, but what really killed you is seven walks. That's just unacceptable from this pitching staff. And that's ultimately the reason you lost 10 to four. I thought the offense has been really good of late four runs. You would like a little bit more from this offense who's averaging about six to seven runs over the last three weeks to a month. So four is lower than their total. But of course, when the pitch staff gives up 10 runs, there's a good chance you're not going to win that game anyway they came back on saturday and got the six to two win lbj had 12 k's in seven innings this pitching staff has great stuff especially with tanner wick coming back somebody that can get a lot of strikeouts as well 16 total strikeouts on saturday out of 27 outs that'll help right and that's the reason they only scored two runs when you're getting strikeouts you're not putting the ball in play and you're not putting runners on base and then on sunday they came back with a 7-6 win to clinch the series. Kansas did score two runs in the bottom of the ninth to make it interesting. I think they scored three runs in the last two innings. So when Texas had a 7-3 lead, right, and you're kind of coasting, you now go into the ninth inning with a 7-4 lead in a save situation, and then you almost blow the save 
giving up two runs in the bottom of the ninth. And we saw that against Baylor where they gave up 11 runs in those first two ninth innings in those series. So that's something they have to watch out for. You definitely don't want to give up runs in that ninth inning when you're trying to close out games, especially getting to this point of the season where every game matters a little bit more than they mattered before. Tanner Witt was your opener in this game. He gave up a run and allowed three walks in the first. Has not looked sharp yet, of course, you know, when you're coming off of the surgery that he had, it's going to take time to get back acclimated and, you know, get back to throwing your stuff, right? Having confidence, having command and being able to put the ball where you want to and being able to, you know, strike hitters out. Also getting to a point to where you feel comfortable with your pitch count and going multiple innings. So that work in progress is going to take time. Um, you know, he hasn't been great yet, but, you know, coming off a catastrophic injury and surgery like he had, you understand that you're going to have to be patient with Tanner Witt. But after Tanner Witt left, 11 strikeouts and only one walk from the rest of your bullpen. So I thought this Texas team looked really good this weekend and they showed good baseball in all three phases, right? In terms of defense, they looked good. In terms of offense, they looked good. And then in terms of pitching outside of the Friday game, they looked really good as well outside of one inning from Tanner Witt. So tonight they face off against UTA this weekend, they face off against San Jose state, and then they end the regular season next weekend against West Virginia. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of locked on Longhorns, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day, hook them and peace.